This episode is recorded on Jar Jar Wurrung country and we want to pay our respects to the original creatives of this land and their elders past, present and future. Welcome back to another episode of Country Creatives. We're your hosts, Reese Hendy and Caleb Maxwell. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. This episode is super fun for anyone who is an illustrator or uh, interested, even people that are interested in working remotely or uh, people who are wanting to lead teams, communicate with people. We talked a lot of things with Craig. Yeah, Craig Barker is our guest today and he is a multidisciplinary creative. Um, He's got a really interesting background uh, as a teacher originally and then a self-taught creative. But I'll let him explain a little bit more about that. And well, let's find out a bit more about his journey into now managing teams of creatives. Welcome, Craig Barker. Woo-hoo! Thank you, boys. Thank you. Craig and Barker is in the house. <laughs> I'm really excited, Craig. I don't know if you've uh, you've noticed, but I just a little bit of uh, background for those listening. How long have we known each other, Craig? Eight years, I reckon. I reckon to be. Yeah, close to eight. Yep, close to eight years. Yep, been through a lot of our journey together, but what we're going to dive into this episode is all about your unique journey into the creative industries, and, and we'll uh, we'll ask some really cool questions about what you're doing now. But what I want to ask you first is when someone walks up to you for the first time and you have, you're introducing yourself, they say, Craig, what do you do for a living? What do you say? That is a great question and a very tricky one to answer, Caleb. Well, I guess the easiest is to say I'm a creative director. I work for a a Sydney-based educational company. It's an online website called inquisitive.com and um, and my main role is to help create digital content to support units of work and lessons that teachers and students can access here in Australia. Now, that's a long spiel, <laughs> but that, that actually does summarise yeah. my role, my current role quite well. But it's, it is a hard one to just yeah. answer that in a, a one-liner. Yeah, yeah, because you're like an, an animator, an illustrator, a photographer, a videographer. Like, <laughs> I know you do, do all of those things really well. Yeah, I don't even know where to, where to start. So, you, <laughs> so, yeah, so what I think you're trying to ask, Reese, is where did this whole journey for you start, Craig? Kick us off from how you entered the creative industries. I have come from school teaching and taught in a local primary school for a number of years, um, sort of on and off for up to 10, uh, 15 years from grade one right through to grade six, teaching performing arts, running a, a circus program as well, which is heaps of fun. But while I was teaching, I've, I've always enjoyed the creative arts um, and of an evening taught myself motion graphics. So had a friend who was into After Effects and that was sort of a, a new bit of software around sort of 20 years ago thinking, yeah, man, this is this is pretty in-depth, but it, it sparked my yeah, interest and caught my attention. So he taught me a few things there. Got into filmmaking as well and just sort of video stuff with friends. This is all while teaching, but then I was able to 
sort of create a bit of a side business while I was teaching. And it ended up leading into dropping a, a day, a fortnight to work on video production work and animation. And so, yeah, I I started submitting video clips to what was a, a, a current website. I haven't visited for a while, but it's sermonspice.com. Yeah. It's a website that a lot of, um, I guess, churches around the world use to download, say, countdowns before a big service, or there might be a, a, a cool little two, three-minute video clip that would support a, uh, a message that someone yeah, could sort of speak on. And I submitted up to 50 videos there and started to get some some sales come through, some royalty um, income in US dollars and thought, oh, actually, yeah, there's, there's something in this. So swung over to iStock or in tandem with this Sermon Spice site. I was only sort of doing that for six to 12 months. And this is all sort of evening work while while teaching. And then this day off, I was able to launch into like, let's do this properly. Let's create video clips and motion graphics loops. Let's film a few things and let's just put it on. And I think that the key to the success was not uh, wondering, will this sell? But let's put it on and see if it sells. Mm. And that was, um, yeah, I think the start of, in a, a long way to answer your question, my creative journey into the digital creative space. What was the first clip or animation that you put up that got traction? So for Sermon Spice, it was a, a big countdown that, yeah, that was sort of the big seller. Oh, a bit grungy and it looked <laughs> yeah. um, looked engaging. And on iStock Photo, yeah, it would be, I think one of the, the first ones was actually filming a gas stove in a house just being turned on, just a nice tripod shot of yeah. a gas element, uh, you know, and then up, you know, the gas flames um, yeah. fire, and it was only a 10 second clip. And that, yeah, that was like, wow, that, that only took me like 15 minutes to create. But this is, from an <laughs> hourly rate point of view, done very well. And that's an example of a success in mm. a particular clip that did do well. Others, you, you know, you spend the time and it, it's, it never sells. But, you know, where, what are we? 2009, I started. So we're pushing, you know, into 12, 13 years of, of that sort of work. And some of the some of the clips have just sold recently. You know, you gotta, it's the long game. You, yeah. you, you wait 10 years and it might sell, but others, yeah, you can sort of get uh, a bit of an idea of, as to, yeah, I think this is, there's a bit of a gap in the market. This is going to go well, it's mm. worth my time filming. I remember meeting you in Hebron Studios, the old little office in town, and I was like, got introduced to you, Craig, and it's like, oh yeah, Craig does, he's a stock image photographer and animator, and I, my mind was blown, like, there's people who just do that? Like, I never <laughs> thought I would meet someone who just, I'm always wondering, looking on these stock animation sites or stock image sites, like, who are these people creating all this content? <laughs> like, it's such, such an endless feed of uh, content, but it was just amazing that there was someone in Bendigo um, creating content for the world and making a living out of it. That kind of blew my mind a little bit. Yeah, and it still does in many ways, thinking that, yeah, it's been a very significant contributor to our family income and something that we still rely on actually I'm not doing it currently and we'll get into my current role but the blessing that it's been for for all the hard yards of putting in hours and hours of we're talking up to 20 hours to create a particular 15 second loop for some of these but yeah sort of that reward for time and effort put in if you just uh, finish what you start is my recommendation to creatives it's probably one of the, the most common things whether you're a uh, an artist 
and you've got a series of paintings that you haven't quite finished or you're a sound artist and you've got these awesome tracks but they just never got mastered or whatever, I think the key is have have a really clear plan as to try not to start that new thing until you finish what you're currently working on is I think this you know, what worked for me and I was able to build it up to 1500 stock video clips so it's a volumes game as well you obviously want really good quality but you need a good diversity of content uh, for me anyway in this stock video portfolio that sits on um, iStock Photo was the yeah the stock agency that I decided to run with and choosing to be exclusive with them had meant that um, you get a, an extra 5-10% royalty cut for every sale. They still get you know a good 60-70% of the sale so they've done very well out of my yes. collection <laughs> um, but it's something that yeah has been significant um, as just that nice little top up even currently as yeah. a bit of a, um, an income extra um, but it's a fascinating field we're in good old bendigo and we've got this global market and the good thing with digital products is yeah once it's created it can sort of sell over and over and you know the the whole intention is to have clips that are useful for people and i just love the the, the f I, I would see still graphics uh, whether it was just you know a print on a wall thinking oh how can we make that move i love those those little dots and that, that bokeh effect or the, the floating particles, how can we run that in, in After Effects or Cinema 4D to give that motion and turn it into a motion clip? And so I guess drawing on a lot of inspiration is another facet to it all as well. So for let's just paint some pictures of time in and volume out. It, I have the inside word on this, but and, and you weren't aware at the time of where you kind of sat in terms of contributor kind of volume. Is that right? You, got a, you found out that you were one of the biggest contributors in Australia for iStock? Yeah. So I had, I had a, uh, a mess. It was actually a direct cold call, I think, from Shutterstock, the, the rival big company, which I'm sure a lot of people have heard of. But they, just on the quiet, <laughs> um, were wanting to poach pretty much grab my collection and and offer a deal to, to run my, oh, it would have been a thousand plus videos then on Shutterstock when they were starting to really emerge into the video space. Um, and I yeah had this email then which led to a call, but yeah, someone from uh, New York or uh, yeah, just hang on, we are in Benigo being contacted by this um, person overseas and his role was acquisitions looking to sort of bolster up their their volume of content um, but yeah he was just he was pretty much um, hey hey Craig just reaching out um, I hear you're Australia's leading video stock video contributor on iStock and it's like well that's thank am I thank news to me <laughs> That's oh, that's great. that's great. But yeah, and look, that's certainly what I wasn't chasing that at all. It was just very much a, a means of th there's a in there's an income stream to be made here. And I guess with that flexibility of that royalty based payment, it allows for other other things, whether it's a bit more time that you have for family or time for other things. It's a great extra income stream to any mm -hmm. creatives. And I, I've, I've said to multiple people, yeah, if you've got 
the uh, bit of a drive to yeah just test it out you know often you just need a few clips to, to submit mm. and then once you're accepted you can just start feeding them in see how you go i want to ask a really practical question about your process because you said before the re- the way that you got to such a prolific creator was to not starting start something new until you finished what you've done and i know i really struggle at this this is not a strength of mine I'm really keen to get a tip on how do you go about, what kind of processes do you put in place to make sure you can kind of stick to that and start to finish the work that you, the projects that you start? Great, great question. It's one that, um, like, yeah, just winding the clock back to that sort of um, content creating. I think the key was even just a simple, simple list of ideas. I would just be constantly grabbing ideas and sort of queuing them up but just just trying to be disciplined of yeah i'm so looking forward to starting this next little concept but let's yeah let's get this closed out first i think the thing with after effects back then is you could only ever have one project file open at a time Mm. cinema 4d probably similar um so it's not like you could just sort of have heaps open and just sort of be chipping away at multiple things. It was almost like, no, this this project's so in depth and so full on. If I don't finish it now, I'm going to really struggle to know where I, where I was at with mm. this. I guess simple to do list. Let's finish A before I start B. Did that answer your question, Rich? Yeah, I think so. So you didn't have too much of a formal process other than collecting all your ideas in one category and then grabbing them out and working on them and not putting a new one in the in the project folder until they were uploaded. Yeah, correct. Yeah, that's right. And look, that's from a motion graphics side of things. So the collection was made up of probably 70% motion graphics clips, but then there was things that I would go out and film. So stock clips, like a stock photographer would turn up to a, you know, sort of a shoot and take a series of stock photos and upload them to these sites. I would be looking at, you know, in the lens of a a videographer. Um, A good example of that was an around the house series, which did really well. We're talking like film door handles opening and you think well how's that going to sell who anyone can film a door handle well that's exactly right go out and film it and package it together put 10 together and sell that as a clip with 10 door handles opening get get your road mic out and get the nice audio sounds of that the rustic door handle and the different clicks and noises that you hear the squeaks and package that together and this particular video well, i did um, a multiple um, collection of this particular shoot of just say door handles a macro lens really close keys going into the the um you know the little keyhole doors opening uh doors closing and then the concepts then is this is sort of the thought behind it is well the the business world out there so doors opening new pathways you think of TAFE Mm. or local education facilities being able to use this really captivating little 10 second clip and choose you know whatever shots out of that that they wanted um but to to see that as a more of a concept doors opening what about doors closing um the locksmith industry with the the keys and the it's just um trying to think abroad as to well yeah it's a worldwide market and i think back to that gas stove element one the the gas industry well yeah uh, there weren't a lot of clips of just gas elements being filmed. It's just like, well, there's, yeah, let's get it out there. It's mm. it's more effective for someone to spend the whatever amount it is to download it than to pay a videographer to go out and film that professionally. So yeah, that's that's the like we're talking maybe hundred 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 and fifty dollars to download a clip versus you know a, you know a minimum of five hundred six hundred bucks to to get a yeah videographer to 
go and do it. Yeah, correct. And just to weave that back to your question about, say, that sort of shoot and how you manage, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, you've got the door handles idea, but then there's light switches, there's light bulbs. What about the water industry with taps being turned on, taps being turned off? And so already we've got a list of 50 shots I'm wanting to get, but I, I just had to narrow that down to say, no, let's get door handles done. Let's do that really well. Let's Then we'll do the, the taps. And, and I've still, to be honest, I've still got that. I've got a master list of so <laughs> many ideas, but my current role I am not um, doing stock work. But, um, I, yeah, maybe one day I'll, I'll get back into it. But, yeah. Oh, I tell you what, Craig, I don't know what it'd be like for you still having a little bit of revenue coming in for that, but I, it was only the other day I remember being inspired by you um, probably six, five, six years ago. Um, me and my business partner, we went out and shot some little clips. We we're like, all right, this stock thing, let's give it a go. <laughs> we filmed all sorts of random things, but I got paid for one the other day. Well done. <laughs> it was Great. like 60, 60 Australian dollars just landed from Pond 5 we, we jumped on. And I was like, wow, the, the temptation to go, <laughs> maybe I should, no, no, I'm doing, <laughs> I've got a solid focus, I'm going. But um, it's, it's a really unique and interesting uh, opportunity. I think there's still opportunity for, for you know, creatives to to dive in there absolutely and you well you look at the the volume of content and look photography might be a bit different because it is such a flooded market like we're talking millions and millions of, of clips or photos and videos becoming that way too but one thing that I always fell back on is just never put that aside and just say well People are looking for fresh content. They'll mm. always there'll always be algorithms in the filters to look for what's what's current, what's yeah, what what's something new mm. that no one else has used before. I don't want to use that clip that was filmed ten years ago that I would have maybe made that's been downloaded so many times. Yeah, what's what's fresh? So I think for anyone out there who might have a yeah, collection of yeah, just nicely filmed videos clips or whether you're a photographer with some really interesting regional rural photos like that's yeah, that's another yeah, that's gap what, in the market too. Yeah, that's that's a big one. The one that keeps selling on on my old library of about 15 videos is Bendigo shots. And mm. if you're in a regional centre that's, you know, that the local council will be on that stock website downloading that <laughs> that video every second day, I tell you what. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Such an interesting journey into the creative industries and just being self-taught and then to take it to that level is um, pretty inspiring. You don't have to go through videography school or animation school or anything to, to get into it, but it's really led you into a whole new field of work, hasn't it? It's the, the education path that you came through from the very beginning is starting to tie back into the creative path that you self-taught. Can you tell me what are you doing now? And tell me about the role. Yeah, sure. So with my role uh, as a creative director with Inquisitive, I help now, rather than doing a lot of the creating, I'm now managing the the outsourcing of the content that needs to be created. So working with illustrators here in Australia and internationally, voice artists to narrate some of the, the online storybooks that we're creating, working with code developers, overseas um, and yeah a, a whole series of animators 
who else? Lots, just, yeah, if we need something created, it's, yeah, reaching out and utilising talent. I work with a, a wonderful local, I guess, videographer or video editor, sorry, uh, graphic designer in Mitchell Cook. And uh, another guy, Levi Ingram, has um, been a great help in chipping away at various content that we need uh, created. You may may remember that name from uh, co founder of Hebron Films, mm, Mr. Levi Ingram. Yeah, last from the past. Shout out to you, my friend. Absolutely, yeah, really great guy. So that's a good thing with Bendigo is talent that you you know and um and just in different sort of seasons of of work have the mm. skills and um levi's traveling around australia at the moment so it's it's been handy that he's just been able to yeah chip away at different video cuts for us or audio things and um then there's the world of adobe animate which we'll, we'll get into as well Amazing. So there's there's quite a bit of a, a journey and a story that we kind of skipped over into how you transitioned from what we've talked about to the more of the corporate creative um, or the bigger company uh, world. Just fill in a couple of the gaps about how, how you you know made that transition and and what tips you'd give for for creatives that want to feel that um, feel excited about working for a bigger company and contributing in a in a bigger team yeah it's been a, a bit of a, a an interesting journey for me you know being in a school setting with you know working with great teachers at my school and then you know, I mentioned that day off and then I went full-time into stock video work, so very sole operator, sort of self-driven. Yeah, let's uh, – spent the year in Port Macquarie in 2011 to really develop that. Came back to Bendigo and I'm sort of fast-tracking this to get to, your, your, yeah. to the answer yeah. of your question. But, um, yeah, working in local co-working hubs, working around people, I realised that, yeah, I – I loved that all the stock stuff had freedom, but I really miss that collaboration and working with people. So moving into a local hub, um, Synergize Hub, big shout out to the old hubsters there yes. from Bendigo, um, and that co-working space no longer exists. But that was really great in that I, I realised in the, the, this creative world, yeah, I, I'm just really motivated and I feel my sense of purpose is to work directly with people and create content to to help help people and so I worked with another local educator in Rob Costello and he worked for a company called Mathletics and they were needing video content created for their secondary resources and so I spent yeah quite a few years contracting in um, creating yeah lots of After Effects based animations and filming uh, sort of live footage stuff and creating these cool little over overlay assets to help support these um, educational concepts for the, the secondary uh, resources. That led into then contracting in and working with this company Inquisitive. Um, yeah, so they're Sydney-based. They've been around for about four years, but yeah, very much a big startup in the online educational resource space. But working directly daily on whether it's Zoom calls or Slack messaging, the, the team's growing. It's doubled in size from when I started, but just that collaboration of, hey, Craig, we've got this that needs created how can we make it happen? And I'm like, yeah, I, I guess I've got the skills and experience and the, the networks now and mm. with their support, 
and my boss Sarah and um, Tim have been brilliant in just um, enabling myself to just sort of run with with things to get stuff created. I think that's if I've answered your question, yeah. where, where I'm really finding the um, the joy in that back in that bigger team. Um, so yeah. yeah, tasted the freelance world and soul sort of working, and that's great. And there's certainly it wasn't saying there wasn't any working with other people, yeah. but now I'm I'm finding the the security of that full time role. Mm. I still feel like a freelancer actually working out of the Emporium Creative Hub and you know getting to hang out with you guys each day as well I still have that the, uh, the essence of yeah sort of working as a, as a freelancer that filled in a few gaps I didn't realize that, that they were, those were the stages is it fair to say that you started off taking like contracting and doing the creative work yourself initially coming back from that Port Macquarie year where I did full-time stock work just that was very much just just myself up there with my wife and then it was our two kids we've got four kids now but uh, coming back 2012 I was working out of a little unit at the back of my mother and father-in-law's house that's where I met Caleb actually yeah. Caleb remember yes. yeah <laughs> um, we first yeah sort of connected that was once again eight also years ago yep. and that was a great little transition but I was, I was feeling like I was retired I need to be around people yeah. and sort of yes so then moved into the co-working space around people and realized yeah there's something in this collaboration and I guess yeah it comes up a lot here at the Emporium Creative Hub doesn't it of just um, people who work from home a lot of people sort of who, who come in and out and mm rent the shared desks will agree that yeah there's an, an expense to sort of paying for a desk but the productivity mm. the motivation to come to work there's something to be said about that investment of yeah well look you, yeah you sort of pay for your desk rent or you come in and you are more productive but equally I think from a whether it's a, a mental health point of view of just being around other people there's something that is important to to acknowledge yeah, I'm, I'm interested, Craig, your intro into Inquisitive. I want to know where you started. What type of content were you creating when you started and, and what are you creating now? And as a, I suppose, from the, the perspective of wanting to be a valuable contributor to the team and employee, what was your journey and your thought process in, in building up what you were doing? So videos was like the main content that I was creating let's say for inquisitive and it was for mathletics but coming into inquisitive having the skill set to be able to animate things and work with yeah keyframe animation and and voice work and and just bringing a, a video to life and getting that online and available as a resource to support these lessons that was the first um, that was mainly what I was doing and we also acquire various videos where we'll pay for licenses or videos just need trimming and editing compilation videos of stock video clips need being put together with narration all that sort of stuff is pretty straightforward we then explored the area of interactives and manipulating graphics on screen and and one thing with a video is is great you hit play and you sit back and watch but i've always been intrigued of as to and from an educational point of view seeing children firsthand working you know in a classroom the power or the yeah just how uh, um, manipulating graphics can have so much richness in in a learning experience so that's where i naturally just wanted to learn and and work out yeah how can we make 
some things that could have been a video, how, how can we make that an interactive, that's an online link that anyone can access and this, the website Inquisitive supports this beautifully um, in that we can use Adobe Animate to throw all our graphics and sounds in, but then it, it spits out a HTML file and a JavaScript file that can be uploaded to a server and anyone with that link can access this resource. So it could be a little drag and drop game. Or let's say we've got a plant and you've got to label the the, the stem, the roots, the, the petals. Um, and that could be a beautiful little intro into an activity uh, in the classroom for a, you know, a, a prep foundation lesson. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's one example of an interactive. Your journey, and I've had the the honour and the privilege of getting to see your your journey uh, firsthand and debrief a lot of things with you. But I want to just touch on. I think it's really really funny that the company you're working for it's called Inquisitive, and I would say one of your biggest strengths that's really contributed to that team from an outsider's perspective is your inquisitiveness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I how knew the button was going to work. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Resort it coming. <laughs> yes. That's great. But seriously, like when we're talking about how to actually contribute and to to grow your role and your position at a company and to be a next level team member, it requires a uh, a level of self drive, but an, an understanding that everything is up to you in terms of where you want to grow as a creative and your place in a company is not fixed really it is only limited by your own drive and your own imagination because what i've seen has happened in in your situation is that the team at inquisitive have recognized your curiosity and your um, interest in a certain area and have just backed it and also your amazing amount of experience as a teacher yeah. like you understand where your where the product is being shown you can put yourself in the place of the teacher and like what would i want to see to help these kids or yeah. to intro a lesson like what an awesome yeah. resource it hasn't just been a sit back and oh you tell me what to do i'm the video creator cool i'll just do that you've really taken some initiative haven't you and, and really just explored new things and wanted to contribute to the building of the company yeah, I agree. And thank you, Caleb. Yeah, I think it's that innovation aspect that I've always had, even from a kid, just building things out in the shed or just uh, yeah, constantly drawing things or just the mind's always been going, just innovating. How can we make this? Okay, that's a great idea, but how can we make it better? What? What's? Where's the ceiling? Oh, is there a ceiling? Yeah. Um, yeah so I guess, yeah, I was doing the 2D, the, the, the video work, but yeah, this interest in the interactives. And then, yeah, that has opened up into lots of potential for creating these amazing activities. And we, I think we're over 200 now that contribute to these really rich lessons of being able to have these activities sort of load up and being able to interact with and we're talking narrated storybooks uh, rather than it just being yeah a, a simple sort of slideshow yeah let's let's make it an online storybook let's bring let's bring sound effects or voice narration let's work with really good narrators and voice talent who are, who can we find who, who are the best illustrators we can find within our budget it's always sort of asking those questions how can we make this product absolutely the best in the the current resources that we've got and it's as i said with the excitement to see the the team grow from when i started we haven't even talked about the u.s market so the company's launching into the u.s and they've just gone live only a month or so ago and that's a massive prospect Huge. um and 
it's it's down to the company's philosophy of creating, you know, just beautiful lessons, making it accessible for for all students uh, wherever you are. Yeah, it's really cool that even though you were working inside a bigger company, you're still able to find an avenue to improve their product, basically. How did you go about presenting that idea? So you saw an opening in the market and you obviously wanted them to explore that or for them to allow you to explore that. How did you go about pitching the concept to them and you know what were the next steps? I saw Adobe Animate sitting there as part of the Creative Cloud subscription. So yeah, big on Premiere and After Effects, uh, obviously a bit of Photoshop and or Illustrator and then or Adobe Animate's been there and it was rebranded from Adobe Flash. So Flash f- phased out their, um, I think it's their Swift files or Flash player on a lot of websites. Some people will remember that sort of was... Mm switched off and so any flash activities that were made in the original flash application uh, sort of ceased um, but what adobe did well is that they they morphed flash and all that nice timeline keyframe animating into what is now adobe animate and you can sort of still use a lot of the functionality and setups but to export or have code, sorry, JavaScript code added into the software to generate these nice like little mini web pages or little interactive pages that load up. And so I experimented, had a little play. I'm not a code developer, but yeah, how can we find a developer? So I reached out on freelancer.com and found a few people that were happy to, and look with budget approval, of course, from my boss, explored just a simple little storybook that I illustrated. You click on, oh, let's see if we can make a slider that you click on. So I hand drew this little slider, you click on this button and drag it across the page. And um, then this little character sort of moves up and down on the page. What about can we have a balloon that you if you click on the page and click on the balloon will it, can you make it grow while you're holding what about when you release can you make it shrink <laughs> little things like that i'm just like, i'm really engaged with this yeah i can animate this purely in a video but i want a user to be able to manipulate this little storybook <laughs> to to actually yeah explore what's behind this thing if you click on the the screen and drag it across how how do we bring this to life so yeah that was a, a probably a good example of an interactive activity um, then another colleague Mary who creates a lot of the science content back then she's working on some of the US a lot of the US work now but she had a an activity where she wanted um, like a little infographic about rocks that weather in different scenarios. So creating this activity where I guess like a little PowerPoint presentation, but there's a bit more interactivity with within that. So you click a button and then this image changes. So it just allows the user to interact and explore rather than it just being spoon fed. And look, not, not knocking videos at all, because we use those a lot and they're perfect as a a little lesson intro to a particular activity, play the mm. one minute video and then there's a, a, a beautiful writing activity or the, the, the kids respond to it in some way. But then the interactive world, yeah, there's definitely massive potential to really continue to explore that. And there's so many scenarios in the classroom, back to my experience there, where you might have a skip counting tool is an example of one that we spent lots of hours developing this beautiful 
skip counting tool which allows user to you know count by twos threes fours whatever but it's sometimes hard to model on the whiteboard out the front of the class it's hard to mm. do physically um, to show a hundred on a, a, a number line but if you can make it digital and, and manipulate it then that's a really rich tool that is accessible to all teachers who you know subscribe to the the, the platform and, and can use just whenever they want there's one thing I've picked up on here, Craig, and it's and it's probably something that um, you you don't spend a lot of time thinking about. It's just how you operate, but I think it'll have a lot of benefit for everyone, <laughs> whether they're creative or not. So you you run into a problem, right, or, or you have a thought about making this product. At that time, you had no experience or little experience in coding, um, and you're you're obviously faced with the I don't know how to do that. But that didn't stop you, does it? There was a big R&D process, wasn't there, with with finding out how to do it. And I think that's such a valuable part of, of your success as a, as a creator and as an innovator in that, is that you've looked at things and you're like, I can imagine this, but I don't know how to do it practically. But that doesn't matter. I'll just I'll just work out how to do it. Because there was no there was no playbook on how to, to make those things, was there? No. Uh, it's back to that intrigue of... Mm. Yeah, is it possible to make how how does this what is what is JavaScript what is HTML like I was so new into the world of of code and realized and look the freelancer website I was well aware of working mm. with illustrators before and mm. I had yeah we we utilize that service a lot because you post a job and and here comes all this talent from all over the world that you can just sort of chat with or shortlist and, and then eventually decide on who you're going to work with. But then, yeah, seeing all these developers there, it's just like, well, they've they've got the uni degrees and they've they've put the time in. I should should I sort of step down that path of learning code? I've got a I've got a real interest in it, but I realise it's not my lane to run in, I think was what I established. Mm. Let's let's collaborate and work with these these people who are going to be way quicker than what I could ever do. And and back to that acknowledgement that my role is yeah although I want to sort of be able to create everything I realize I can't keep up with the demand of all the content that needs creating and I have the privilege of um, yeah having a budget to just be able to make things happen and say right here's here's three or four things we're needing coded up to a developer and and we've got multiple developers that are available Um, but yeah the the problem problem solving there's a lot of that but I guess I I enjoy, I don't always, I don't see it almost as a problem solving role. It's just like stuff has to be, we've got deadlines and stuff needs to be created. And this is, we've got people in place um, in really good system. And it's just a real privilege. I really enjoy my work. Like I get to Friday afternoons and I'm sort of, thinking yeah I'm still keen to keep going here but equally (laughs) I acknowledge that I love my weekends and time with my wife and kids as well so it's it's um it's a good season of life at the moment Mm. it's interesting that you've come from a very like a few different backgrounds in um, your skill sets but going from the creator into the manager of creators and I think all three of us are kind of in that boat a certain degree yeah. and I'm yeah. I'm keen to hear about your what you had to change and switch over from switching from I'm the creator into I'm the facilitator of creators um, what kind of processes or what kind of mentality shift did you have to have to do that job well Yeah it's it's a hard one because I think all anyone who creates there's that element of 
oh, not ownership, but oh, there's obviously nice pride in your work. Yeah. And there's there's that feeling of um, accomplishment. But yeah, when you sort of have to let go of that and just trust others will get the job done, yeah, there's, there's there's that balancing act. I guess my I, there's space in my working week to still create. I guess if that that sort of helps answer the question in that stuff that I know is a bit more straightforward and easy to explain, out it goes. Of course, any coding work, if we've engaged with an illustrator, graphic setups for interactive activities, all the, the sort of the, the clear-cut things, out they go to other people. But if there's something that's a bit more intricate that needs a little bit more uh, handcrafting and I'm I'm wanting to push the the boundaries of this interactivity and I I feel that it's going to take more time to explain and bounce back and forth with someone to work on I'll just take it on myself part of my week is still that, that hands-on creating. hands-on creating because I cool. my boss has been really good with that too saying yeah we don't want to remove that completely from your role because that's you know that's sort of a, a strength I'm, I'm bringing to the team to have that creativity come mm. through, but equally the the joy and reward of working with others to take things on, and you know you get these videos that come back, whether it's through Mitch and Levi, or you know we've got an illustrator over in Brazil named Henrique, who's just an absolute brilliant artist, and the stuff he sends back through, I'm just thinking, this is awesome. I cannot wait to share it with my Sydney colleagues wow. to get them to see it because this is going to be such a perfect piece of the puzzle in in this unit of work all right so there's some stuff that comes back really awesome and amazing but what about when it comes back and it's a bit shit (laughs) like what approach do you have and i'm sure that's probably a more delicate being a creator you're either really good at giving feedback because you kind of understand the ego or or you could be really bad at it i'm assuming some people are because they just sort of have a strong opinion and they just drop it on someone like what's your approach as the collaborator and the the overseer how do you handle the tougher situations yeah it's tricky sometimes it's a matter of move my opinion and judgment out of it and then send it straight back to the original writer of the lesson and say hey what what are your thoughts on this yeah and not not in the means of trying to sort of set them up but sometimes i'm too critical just because we're you know we're aiming high for everything but i think just being being honest is is fine if it's a, a video cut and we're using the tool whipster to sort of provide feedback um I think it's okay just to, to call it for what it is. If something needs to be changed, it needs to be changed. It's going out to thousands and thousands of people who'll be using this. There's room in the budget for that bouncing back and forth. I think with artists, we set up some good milestones. So let's say a storybook um, needs to be created. We've got a 12-page script that arrives to me on a given day. I've got to bring it to life with finding the right talent we engage with an illustrator and we have these milestones of so sketch phase and whether we we set it up from a payment system as well in that regard Mm. so you know a third of the payment is for the sketches that come back through or whether we just say half and half you know sketches and refined line work is one payment and then once that's all locked off and that's bounced around then then it goes into the color phase and that's the second milestone so sort of being strategic there too, because we have had artists that have have under delivered, and it is a painful process of just mm. saying this this isn't quite right. It's not sort of matching up to the portfolio we were looking at. But yeah, once you've sort of entered, you know that agreement, you you need to see it 
come to fruition. So mm. bit of perseverance, bit of honesty. Honesty. <laughs> yeah. And look, I think I can I guess we can bring that creative that creative eye in seeing, well, yeah, I can see what's lacking here. So mm. providing that feedback, I guess. But yeah, there's other things where you've just got to can, I guess. Um, mm. it's rare, but you've yep. just got to accept there's no we've there's too many hours that have been put into this. Uh, it goes against my back to my original finish what you start. Um, mm-hmm. sort of concept because that is important and generally that's the uh, the path we take but sometimes an idea not so much working with an illustrator we'll we'll see that through but if an idea is just too ambitious or we just think no this is yeah it's just not not working not we, really we just have to move on and cut our losses yeah yeah and identifying that early is probably a really a really great way to cut your losses and not follow through something that um you can kind of see it's not heading the right direction just knowing you through the emporium and working with you it'd be easy to work for you craig you'd be great with your feedback i reckon he's always (laughs) quite concise and uh delicate yep you don't really just run your mouth on the first thought that pops into your head you kind of have a thing considered Mm. yeah so i think um I think your creatives under you'd be pretty lucky to work with you, mate. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Reese. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, love speaking to you know regional creatives, regionally based creatives. You are in a very unique situation in that you you've already mentioned that the company you work for is based in Sydney, but you are personally based in Bendigo. Was was that an easy conversation to have? And what are the systems like in terms of when you first started? Were, were they like you need to come to Sydney or and, and what sort of systems and processes have needed to be implemented to enable you to work in Bendigo for a Sydney-based company? What's interesting is that the Sydney workers up there, they only head into the, the office in the city, which is in Mossman, like Tuesday and Thursday, but sort of tops, and then they spend three or four days at home anyway. So in some ways, there's a lot of Zoom calls happening and a lot of Slack uh, communication, you know, the the communication tool Slack is is our main form of of yeah uh, messaging and and communicating and provide passing on files and things. So relying on those tools as our main communication, yeah, you can sort of work from wherever. So that's helpful. If it was Monday to Friday face to face in an office, I think I would feel yeah it's a bit bit harder and I need a bit more of that face to face time. But sort of knowing that the company operates more time than not um, remotely Mm. makes it work quite well. I get to fly up to Sydney utilising the Bendigo Airport service as well. So that that arrived at a really good time. I know COVID interrupted a lot of the the flight plans there, but that's sort of back up and happening and I'll be flying up in in a fortnight for the for the Christmas party and uh, and there'll be some some office office uh, meetings as well of course tied in but um what a yeah I, i still am very grateful for that opportunity that there is a bendigo sydney link i don't have to you know, drive down to Tullamarine and mm. do the jet port parking thing, but can utilise that service. And hopefully, yeah, that, that service continues into other um, cities as well. I've got a bit of a practical question for you in terms of collaborating digitally. I know he doesn't like to go down the negative path, but <laughs> I want to ask, like, what's the biggest irk when it comes to digital collaboration? Like, what's the thing that annoys you most about collaborating digitally and then on the flip side to that how can people step up their game and be really good communicators as the creative director managing a bunch of creatives say I was working under you what would you be looking for in terms of the communication and 
and the online version of that that makes someone really good to work with versus someone who's like, oh, they're not really communicating well. Yeah, it's it's so important. Um, I I try to reply um, as quick as I can to people when they've asked a question. Um, if I can reply in the moment, I will. It's so so important to make sure you're yeah you're you're clear and you're communicating where you're up to. Like we're working with up to forty digital products at once, and so there's a lot to manage. And there's where I'm. I'm personally in and out of so many different project files and proof checking and server files and you name it, Check, you know, illust- new illustrations come through. I've got to pass it on to Sydney. There's, I guess, so many moving parts. So yeah, if there's a particular contractor I'm working with, you know, whether international or whatever that, yeah, just is sort of delaying on sending a file when they said they would, that's that's probably the mm. toughest. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Craig, I'll, I'm working on it. I'll get it to you tomorrow morning. And then I, I give them an update. Yeah, the developer's working on it. He, he's hoping to get it delivered tomorrow, but it doesn't arrive. Um, mm-hmm. And then I'm, uh, hey, is is this file coming? We're sort of, we've got deadlines with this one. Just trying to paint a picture of, of the sort of the domino mm-hmm. effect of this. I'm a, very much a middleman in liaising with people to create stuff but I've got to report back to dozens of different people I work directly with in inquisitive land Mm. yeah I think make sure you're you're true to your word I don't mind Mm. if you can't deliver it tomorrow but if you've said you will then Mm. at least and if look a family scenario has come up that's fine but just say hey um, I'm so sorry this is likely to be um, the next day or yeah and then, yeah, of course, like my phone pings of an evening because of the international, you know, workers. That, that's when they wake up. They're they're alive, and I've 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 learnt well to try not to yeah to leave work at work. And so I guess within that work window, making sure all communications are done there. Slack is a really great tool. I bring all the contractors into a Slack channel if they're willing to do that because the messaging is so much better than email threads or uh, yeah, waiting for those emails. I, we need that instant sort of communication and feedback. Starting to learn to use the video capture tools, whether it's Loom, whether it's Slack. Slack um, have a, a video feature to do a quick screen capture. It's quicker to explain something by showing something. Just just do it. Just to explain a little bit more about that, I know Caleb uses this. What one do you use? Loom. Loom. You I'm know, like the biggest Loom fanboy there is. Dropbox also has one now called Dropbox don't, Capture. Don't talk to me about Dropbox. I use the I, Dropbox Capture. I hate Dropbox. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's save that for another episode. <laughs> yeah. um, but Dropbox versus Google Drive. <laughs> yeah. Just That's to explain great. what, what Craig's please, talking go, about go, there go. is um, when you're presenting a file or a concept or whatever it is, there's, there are programs out there uh, that we've mentioned a couple that you can – you basically hit record. It records you talking about something also with the screen almost like a zoom call where a one-way zoom call where Mm. you can run through your screen run through a presentation talk about it run your mouse cursor around and and really explain or in your case you can probably hit play on the animation something will happen and you go okay see where that just happened let's make that bigger or let's make that red and people can just straight away instead of writing that in at one minute 27 please change box on the bottom left screen to like the time it takes to write that compared yep. to record your screen and just say it yeah. is so much more efficient oh yeah yep 
yeah, I, I love those tools. And, and there's a lot of tools now, and you've mentioned heaps, um, you know, communication and otherwise that really make what you do possible and efficient, hey? Absolutely, yeah. So Trello is another big one. Good one. Um, Trello, like a, for those who are unfamiliar with Trello, it's like a digital sticky note wall. So you've got a new project that needs creating. It's like a sticky note. You put it on this list. It's upcoming or anyone can access this board who has the link. So one of the writers of, say, an English grade two lesson will say, hey, Craig, we've got a 2D animation we need created. Here's the card and all our files, the, the brief any artwork or references all go on this card and then that card there's members added to it who are the key people and that card moves along left to right in the production queue so at any point someone can jump on and see where that that card is at i've got 10 different production sort of points for one to 10 10 being that yeah this this is ready for final review we use whipster as well to throw videos on for uh, group feedback um, and another good system, just back to the illustrators, is using Google Slides. So if we've got the first send of, say, a 12-page storybook and all this draft artwork's arrived and has been sent to myself, it's like, okay, now what do I do with it? Do I need to tee up a meeting with the writer of this? We've got uh, this URL link in Google Slides that then I can send on to the key players up in Sydney. They can all type their little text comments and draw arrows to sort of aspects of the artwork and say, this needs changing, can we add this? And then once all those notes have finalised, then I'll send that link on back to the artist, whether they're local here in Australia uh, or Bendigo even. We've yeah, utilised um, Ginny, uh, who's been a resident here. Ginny Jiang, what a yeah. legend. Um, great to be able to utilise local talent, but equally if the overseas they can access this online link get the feedback to work on then their second round of artwork that artwork then goes back into this same google slides document as version two or refined line work and then we just have this common place of a, a spot for revisions and notes to be able to be made but it's all down to that clear systems really good thorough workflow um, rather than sort of relying on your yeah, emails it's sort of a, a thing of the past when we've got these amazing oh, yeah. tools that if everyone's on board it's such a smooth production i'm going to call i'm going to call that craig's top tips for technology tools oh that's a whole other episode (laughs) (laughs) that that was great that was a really good little summary of um of some really helpful online tools that and there is seriously a million more SaaS products out there that are are all vying for um usability but that yeah that's really cool a lot of subscriptions going on there mate but um i guess at the if you use each one yeah. how they're meant to be used, like it, it really does speed up your workflow. And I guess the, the tricky part for people is which ones do they need versus which ones are just clutter? Mm-hmm. You know, what's actually mm-hmm. efficient versus what do you think you need? It's a bit of a tricky one, but That's it sounds like you've got a, got a pretty good system set up. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it, it works well. Well, Craig, uh, we have just really enjoyed having you on the podcast. We haven't even talked to, about table tennis at all. The whole time. There is a big question to wrap up this episode, though. We are into the fifth round of yeah. our table tennis tournament. Yep. It's pretty close. And I guess my last question is, who have you got in your pick for number one? Who's going to take it out, mate? Well, I think it's all dependent on you, Reese, because you, you came out of the blocks flying in round one. So 
for the yeah. listeners out there, Reese cleaned up the round one. He won every game. I didn't even I didn't even ask him to say that. No, he's just <laughs> stating a fact, Reese. <laughs> yeah, he turned up and um, he just put us all in our place. Um, <laughs> round two, not bad. Round three and four, questionable. Yeah, <laughs> dropped off a little bit, yeah. and I'm hot on your heels, yes. my friend. So hot on your Caleb, heels. Caleb's looking pretty strong, Reese. But if you if you can have a big round five, look out, Caleb. <laughs> you probably got it. I'm sensing uh, a game today, mm. and I'm feeling uh, optimistic. That's what I'm going to say. All right. Well, let's see how that plays out. We'll bring an update <laughs> to you for uh, some episode down in the future. Yep. Craig, um, an absolute pleasure. Thanks for sharing your insights and having a chat with us. No worries, guys. And look, thank you to you for just the great work in this podcast. Like I, I had a, a binge, you know, I have these little binge sessions where I just <laughs> queue them up and just listen to some of the great people that you're speaking with. And it's just such a, a great thing for, for regional Vic and any country creatives out there. So well done on all the, the, the great work that you do. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, mate. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. You've been listening to the Country Creatives Podcast with Reese Hendy and Caleb Maxwell. It's produced by Amy Chapman with the wonderful support of the Emporium Creative Hub in Mitchell Street, Bendigo. If you'd like to listen to past episodes, subscribe to future ones, or maybe contact Reese and Caleb, you'll find everything you need at emporiumcreativehub.com.au slash podcast. A new episode drops every two weeks, so we look forward to joining you really soon.